You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. One of the most important transitions for any actor to handle is the going back and forth between being on camera and being on stage. The audition process is different, as are the, the subtleties of each performance. As Black History Month comes to a close, actress, writer, and producer Bree Ely joins me to talk about each of those areas of her career and how sometimes our work can only be as good as those we work with. I've definitely had situations where I've been in in a scene with someone and they're only living from their shoulders up. And I'm like, doesn't that hurt your stomach a little bit? Doesn't it like, like, isn't the whole you being affected by this scene and what's happening? Hi there, I'm Patrick Oliver-Jones, actor, singer, and host of Why I'll Never Make It, or Win Me for short. This podcast is a chance to sit down with fellow creatives and discuss the realities of being in the performing arts. We talk about the successes and the setbacks, as well as explore what it really means to make it in this business. To learn more about the podcast, just go to the website whyillnevermakeit.com. And while you're there, I'd love for you to sign up for the monthly newsletter. Not only will you get updates on guests and news about the podcast, I'll also send you the new ebook I put together. It's called Creative Wisdom and is a collection of quotes and insights from previous guests. So sign up for the Win Me monthly newsletter at whyillnevermakeit.com. When it comes to being an artist, Brie Ely is the very definition of a multi-hyphenate. She is a classically trained actress and improviser. She spent more than 10 years in marketing and small business development, and she creates, produces, and directs independent productions. Somehow, with all that she has going on, she found the time to sit down with me and talk about the daily grind of being an actor and the persistence that we all need to keep going. Because no matter how busy we get or how many projects we may take on, finding real success can be tough and elusive. In part two, we'll actually talk about one of her most recent successes, a voiceover project with Star Wars. And we'll get into the talent database she created specifically for black actresses and the work it's doing to promote and support these women. But for this episode, I wanted to pick Bree's brain about the the different skills we actors need, not just in performing and telling stories, but also in how we market ourselves and collaborate with others. This pandemic has really driven home the fact that versatility and out-of-the-box thinking are essential qualities for any artist to have and maintain a thriving career. And even after COVID is behind us, I have no doubt that variety and flexibility will remain essential. Bree has a lot of wonderful tidbits to share with us, and I certainly learned a lot from our conversation, and I have no doubt that you will as well. Welcome, Bree, to the podcast. It is so nice to have you here. Hi there. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm really looking forward to, to talking and getting to know you a little bit better. This should be fun. Now, you started out as a theater kid, doing all the stuff growing up. You went to school for theater, and yes. you even went all the way over to Marriott, England, 
to study there as well. This was through the British American Drama Academy. They have a fabulous midsummer in Oxford program. It was my first time going abroad as well. So it was extra magical. And, you know, Harry Potter was out. So all the the big halls that we'd have our lunches and dinners in was like walking in. I'm like waiting for something to fly over my head. Um, <laughs> and then just the faculty was a mixture of, you know, BBC stars, some American teachers, um, some local, you know, stage vets and Fiona Shaw. Hello. You know, like they were just there to, to spread their knowledge. Um, they had a really incredible touring company come in that was produced or and run by Edward Hall. And they had a workshop with us about the use of cabbage as heads and like how you could do all kind of crazy physical things when it came to Shakespeare. And it blew my mind, blew my mind. And I never felt like they were like, Oh, you don't know what you're doing here. They always said, like, let's just keep expanding and trying new things. And, oh, man, it was such a good time. Such no, a good time. No, no, it sounds like quite an experience. And and it, I would imagine that it gave you just a, a deeper foundation and understanding of, of your own acting craft. Yes. And I also felt like that was the first time that I really got to hear from people that were older about what the business of it was. Yeah. Because at that point, they were... They were like, oh, no, we're not television actors. We're not commercial actors. We are actors. And so if the job comes up and I need to go do a movie, I'm doing the movie. If I need to go do an eight-week miniseries, then I'm going to go do that. And then I'm going to come back to the West End and I'm going to kill in betrayal. Like they, they didn't have any kind of breakdown. And on our side at that time, there was a lot of like, these are only the movie actors. These are only the TV actors. And when the finances started to get a little funny here, People started doing a little bit of everything, right? All of a sudden, yeah. you were like, "What? what's that guy doing in that commercial? Or why is he trying to give me a Capital One card? Who knows? But at the time, it was very separated. And they were saying and really pushing this idea that you should be ready to do anything. No matter what the format is, you need to live the life, tell the story, and and keep listening. And do it on uh, animation. Do it on stage. Do it on television. And and that's actually leads me to my next question, because I was wondering how that theater training, stage training you did, prepared you for the TV film on camera work that you mostly do now. Mm. Um, remembering that you live and experience things from your head to your toes. I've definitely had situations where I've been in in a scene with someone and they're only living from their shoulders up. And I'm like, doesn't that hurt your stomach a little bit? Doesn't it like feel like, so, like isn't the whole you being affected by this scene and what's happening? Do I need to work harder? Oh no, you're just, you've already prepared what you're gonna do. Um, so that spontaneity, there's not as much rehearsal. So you really have to put in that time beforehand. Right. And not that you're planning it, but that you just have, memories built in, that you have an opinion built in. And that's the stuff that you would build over four weeks, but you need to do it in two days now. Um, And that you need to be able to focus in on someone. And there's a bit of like the love that happens between a cast over the course of that rehearsal. You need to fall in love with this person right now. Yeah. It's like shake hands with them and then, and then you're in love. Done. Yeah. 
while you are like in your chair and there one person's doing your hair and another person is doing this. Well, at least that's how it used to be before COVID, but the, you needed to find a way to have as deep and as rich of a connection as possible on your own with this person. So that way, if you do have to go in and maybe they have to leave before they do the turnaround and you're acting with the ball or someone standing, you still have that same connection. And were there ways that the theater training didn't quite prepare you for TV film once you started getting in front of camera? Were there things that yeah. surprised you? <laughs> Diction. <laughs> Apparently people like to mumble on TV and they don't like consonants. Um, my voice and speech teacher when I was back in Texas was very much like, what is this that you write with? And I was like, a pin. And then she's like, and what is this that I would use to attach clothing together? A pin. And she's like, one is a pin and one is a pin. You know, like there was all of this training <laughs> that got in there. And then they come here and it's just that more like natural, like we're just going to be here. And then you're like, wait, where are we going to be? Now I know that you want to, you know, just live and sound like a person, but I also need to understand you. I mean, do you watch TV now with the credits? Like, like, captioning on because sometimes I literally cannot understand what people are saying. Yeah. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. 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 So they'll they'll I, mumble I, through some, it <laughs> usually, it usually has to be like people's names or maybe a location where it's, where it's something that I, I wouldn't recognize without hearing it distinctly. Right. So I try, <laughs> even <laughs> if I know I need to like have a little bit more of like an off the cuff, which is how they have written in like looser you know, I still need to understand. So I'm, I've held on to that. Um, the tech is probably the closest thing to being on set, just having to stand around and be ready to go because the next time they do it, if you don't give out that full performance, it might affect what happens with the lights. It might affect what happens with the sound. So, you know, I think film is like tech every day and for 12 hours instead of eight. I think that's a great way to look at it. I I, I hadn't really thought of it like that. You're basically in your 10 out of 12 and mm -hmm. you got to get it done mm -hmm. in, in those hours. Yeah. yeah. Because when the sun's up, now you're doing your outdoor scene and before the right. sun goes down, you got to finish. Right. Yeah. Or I did a commercial in Vegas once where the morning was now, or the nighttime was supposed to be when he was arriving, but it was actually just like maybe three or four in the morning. So if they didn't get all of the stuff then, they were 100% going to have to come back the next day to do the nighttime. Yeah. It just has to happen. And then also I think that there are so many lovely things that happen between the relationships you build with your cast and with your director when you're working on something over time. And so like, you know, how you have to fall in love with whoever your person is in your scene. You also have to give up the fact that there won't be enough time for you to like get that feedback. Mm -hmm. It just has to keep moving. The train has started. It's like Snowpiercer. It's not going to stop. It's going to keep making its rotations. So just be there and step in with what you have. Know that you've done the work and it just has to go. As you can see, Brie put her training to use both in theater and in front of the camera. But she also found a home behind the scenes in producing and directing and content creation. She was an actress and associate producer in one of the early crowdfunding success stories, We Are the Hartmans. 
Now, this film starred Richard Chamberlain and was acquired by Netflix back in their DVD days. She co-wrote and starred in another film called Acceptance, which received distribution through Viacom after winning Best Short at the Bezla Film Festival in Cabo. She's also had short films at the NBC Universal Shortcuts Festival and the Austin Comedy Short Film Festival. Yet, her first love is theater and is where she got all of her training. So why didn't that lead her to write and create for the stage instead? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I was in New York during the writer's strike and there was a stagehand oh. strike. Just two bits of fun happening at the same time. So that was also when like YouTube got really popular. Like it had started to make its first wave. So it was like, that's the only place we can actually make something at this point. And I haven't really, I've been a part of like development of theater as a listener, as a contributor, um, like in the room to offer feedback when someone's like, I want to do a reading of the script or a workshop. That was always just me stepping into that one role, but to actually create theater, I, I don't know. I, I think it was all about the timing. It really was like YouTube had just come up. Um, I ended up crowdfunding a film with some friends and it went to Netflix. So it was just this, okay, well, that's where you make stuff at because it can actually get done. And I have to say there was a bit of a, um, workshop purgatory that happens. I'm sure it's still happening in New York, but at the time you would do a reading one place. Then they say they want to do a workshop of it somewhere. And then it would just sit and it wouldn't go into a full production. And so it made it less enticing to give all that time and energy to know that you weren't going to actually get a production out of it. Whereas if I get my camera and I go out and do a sketch with some friends, I know it's up the next day. I can submit it to a site and it's on. Right. Or that it might get on some comedy site like funny or die or hoo ha ha at the time. And like, it would have some kind of resolve. It would have an ending that workshops, the workshop life was hard. And then what (laughs) would happen is that you get to the final place where they're like, let's do this show. We're going to have money behind it. And we're going to bring in this girl who was on CSI Montauk last year. She's fabulous. You're like, wait, 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 but I've been, I've been working with you on this thing since day Okay, all right. Well, have fun with your awful actress from CSI Montauk. <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> no, no, no. You know no, what I mean? But- like it's it's hot. That how do you how do you encourage someone to keep coming back when? Yeah, when there's so happening? many hurdles that seem to get higher and higher the further right. you get along the process. Yeah. Right. CSI Montauk is not a real show, but I always use it as my example of like the business of show is about getting in some name Mm -hmm. and it could it could be something as you know off the cuff as a csi montauk but it would be a way for someone to sell it and you just have to have that sell and that cachet now speaking Uh of selling it you you actually did some some like marketing whenever you were in in new york you you worked Mm -hmm. at second stage which is an off-broadway theater you also did branded content for AOL, Huffington Post. So you were on that side of the camera as far as figuring out how to sell content to right. others, to, to viewers. And so are, are those skills that you utilize in your own creation? Absolutely. When I'm putting together a film or a 
a short, even a sketch, I'm always thinking about what is the audience? How is this going to get to them? I want to like back manufacture my idea so that I can know where it's going to land. If I know that I need to make a deadline so that I can be at a festival in a certain time, then that's already in my mind. If I need to think about how it's going to be shared with the people, then that will also affect what is the first teaser that I put out? What is the poster information that I put out? Am I going to just put it on Instagram or will it also be on my Facebook page? Will I make its own Facebook page? Or will I just put it on my own little like marketing newsletter? Because I I think this, it's wonderful to be able to make something, but if you don't know where it's going to go, if there's not a plan about how you're going to get it to people, then it's more likely that it'll just end up in a drawer or on a hard drive. Some of the marketing that happens personally for me now is about just keeping people informed of what I'm doing. And it's not that I'm a, I, I only want to invite you when and only check in with you when I have a show. I want to check in with you and, let, and see what's going on because this I just saw this great movie and I wanted to share it with you. How's everything in your world? Like there's a, a reciprocity to our continued connection. And I think marketing should be about continuing a connection with someone instead of just being about, here's my thing, here's my thing. Yeah, I think that that's something that social media certainly has has taught us. It's all about what's what's the greatest thing, what's the prettiest thing, what's mm -hmm. the, the glitzy, glamorous thing that I'm doing right now, and that's what I'm going to talk about. A lot of times you're just getting that facade when it comes right. to social media. The highlight reel. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly. And And maybe you don't want to have that all on your on your public profile, but in some way connect with somebody in a really, you know, sincere way, whether it's an actual email or a message so that people can also get to know that they want to be cheering you on, but who needs cheers if you're always doing great? You always have everything perfect. Was there a particular time when, when you really learned that lesson of, oh, I'm, I'm not really connecting. I, I'm, I'm putting out great you know, looking posters or content, but yet it's not connecting. Was was there a time when you noticed that? I was um, on a house team at one of the sketch theaters here. And I was also doing a digital sketch team where we just did, you know, two minute little fun things. It was all women. And then the house team would have its rehearsals and we do that thing. And then I also was in another show that was happening at another theater. And because it was just like, show, 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 it all became noise. And then you start seeing that no one's even responding to you or how was the show or checking in or even attending them. Mind you, there are a ton of theaters here as far as the comedy scene in LA. So you probably have a friend who's got a show every other day and it's easy to like have that noise. Right. But all of a sudden I was like, I feel like I'm even doing too much. I don't know what's happening with my friends. And so they're going to be less interested in even coming out to see the show because it's not even going to be a chance to get to hang out with you. You're just going to see your show and then have to be fighting other people in the lobby. Um, so I, I just energetically was like, you know what? I'm going to stop down and make sure that I'm just reconnecting with people in a sincere way. And then maybe the next time I do share something as far as a show, they'll be like, oh, I want to go see my friend Bree. 
instead of just, oh, there's that actress again. Hmm. Yeah. 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 There needs to be, there needs to be some, some connection beyond just a name, beyond just what we do, but it's who we are. And that's the, that's the thing we have to share. I always think that my dad used to say, you have enough, if you have real friends, you can count them on one hand. And then all of a sudden we have Facebook telling us that we have friends and these hundreds and hundreds of, of people are now even more with the followers. Who are they? I don't know them. I don't have their number in my phone. I don't text them. Um, who am I really trying to make sure is a part of my world? Who am I going to lean on? Making sure that that is a really rich and deep circle. And there will be levels. You'll have acquaintances. You'll have people that are just a part of the community, and that's fine. But you you have to make sure that you develop and work with your with your circle. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And how have you found a balance of you know, you, you want your stuff to get out there. You want to have an audience. You, you certainly want your friends involved with it, but mm-hmm. yet have it still be that organic, still have a connection and it not be salesman-y. I don't know if, if I have the balance. I mean, <laughs> ask the people. <laughs> um, I, I try to do it just in terms of frequency, I think is a good way to look at the balance. You know, not to make it so formulaic that I have this is only the day that I put out my this thing. And then I have two posts like this. Then I do one more like this. And then that's a so-and-so day. What I've, what I've been doing lately is that I only put up the one thing that I'm really excited to share, like my Star Wars thing. And then the rest of the time when I'm online, I'm just looking to make sure I'm checking in on other people. That I'm liking their thing, that I have seen what they're up to. And if something... I look at it and I'm like, oh, what's that about? I actually reach out to them offline and say, hey, I saw your thing. What's going on with that? Or congratulations, that looks amazing. Because it really does mean that I, I'm i I'm cheering them on. I'm in their circle too. I'm in their corner too. I think I have like 15 pictures up because it's really, that's like my online, let's say business card. So mm-hmm. as long as that's there, that's fine. But the interactions that I have, I want to have them with the people that I know and that I want to support. Yeah, and I think it's important what you said about taking it offline. You know, rather than just right. commenting on that Instagram post, texting them because you know them. And right. so really really get the the nitty-gritty dirty details of what's going on. Yeah. And I, I made a page for my actor self. And when I do have people who will just friend me now, I say I try to leave space on this side for people that I actually know. But if you'd like to connect with me, here's my page. You can always message me there. I mean, you never know who's the next, you know, Wes Anderson looking to find an actress. So please message me. But also, I do want to leave space for people that I know so I can make sure that I don't miss something major in their life. It's so interesting that many people forget to conduct themselves online as they would conduct themselves in person, especially when meeting someone for the first time. In an article for Backstage, casting director Jeremy Gordon talked about a Facebook message he received from an actor. This was an actor he'd never met before, nor ever interacted with. Yet, the message this actor sent was literally just the name of a movie listed on Jeremy's IMDb page, with a link to what seemed to be the actor's IMDb page. That's it. No hello, no introduction, no message, no thank you. But rather than writing off this actor, 
Jeremy used this as a teachable moment by responding to the message and starting a dialogue with the actor. Now, the actor was a bit defensive at first, but eventually got the point that if you wouldn't do it or say it in person, then don't do it or say it online. As Jeremy puts it, live your online life the way you live your 3D life. And it's life skills like this that Brie encourages for all of her actresses on the talent database she created called Here and Ready. We'll be getting into that and much more in the next episode. Don't forget to sign up for the monthly newsletter at whyillnevermakeit.com. You'll find a link to that in the show notes. And I'd like to make one request between now and the next episode. As personable and beneficial as I try to keep my own social media, word of mouth and personal connection is the most important way I hope to grow the reach of this podcast. And that's where you come in. Please think of someone that you know who could benefit from this conversation and share this podcast with them. Well, thank you for listening to me and Bree today. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, in charge of all things writing and editing and producing. Music in this episode is by Blue Dot Sessions and Chad Crouch. Why I'll Never Make It is a part of the Helium Radio Network and a member of the Broadway Makers Alliance. Join us next time as we talk more about Why I'll Never Make It. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.